We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. The dynamic duo's back in the house, looking like LeBron and Kyrie after a week apart. I'm Kel Dansby. Yeah, and it's Andreas Hill back from a vacation where apparently um, I missed everything in life. The world fell apart while Andreas was gone, and uh, you guys had to you know, stick it through with me for a second. So you had... An episode with me and my family last week. Thanks, everyone, for the comments and listening and for the support on that. But we're back together. We're here to do what we're supposed to do. We're here to give you, you know, the best boxing, wrestling, MMA, hip-hop talk you can find on a podcast. And I don't care. I'll, I'll use that hyperbole. We're doing it big this week. Uh, but we got to start off with something kind of off the radar, and that's the NBA Finals. Because the game happened last night. If you guys are listening to this, we're recording on Friday. And uh, Game Seven's coming up. LeBron is taking over the series. Steph Curry's getting ejected, throwing his mouthpiece at people. Draymond was suspended. All this because Andreas Hale goes on vacation. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. Like, I, I, well, let's start real quick. I leave Friday morning. I leave Thursday night actually to go to Hawaii. Friday morning, I get a call that Muhammad Ali is in the hospital. Friday night, he dies. Saturday's UFC 199. Brock Lesnar, the whole Ariel Hawani situation. Um, what day did the NBA Finals start? I can't even remember. It started that Friday. Damn. So then, yeah, the NBA Finals, you had uh, NXT, the end. Um, I, leave, I leave Hawaii. Warriors up three games to one. I come back because money, money in the Bank is this Sunday right here in our backyard of Las Vegas. And I'm thinking, this series is a wrap. 
And Kyrie and LeBron dropped 41 apiece. And then last night, when I figured that they could have done something, I thought the Warriors could have possibly closed this thing out because Steph hasn't had a big game yet. They over there and get backslapped by LeBron, who beasted and probably had one of his best games in the playoffs since, I'm thinking, maybe the Pistons series, where he just dominated that game. Dude, he scored 18 straight points in this game. And made it look easy. You looked up and you were like, he had 18 straight? Like, you don't even notice it when he was scoring. And at one point, he scored or assisted on, like, 30 straight for him. It, it was unbelievable. He just took the game over, and it was within the flow of the game. It wasn't forced. Yeah, and, and, and I said it before, man. Everybody keeps slandering LeBron, and now you back on his side. Y'all need to stop with these Twitter hot takes, man. Look, look LeBron is just a beast. The Cavs shouldn't be in this series, but LeBron and, and Kyrie, who severely underrated as a point guard, has brought them back into this series. There's no way this should be going seven games right now. No way possible. But I think the Bogut injuries hurt a lot. Um, nobody in the middle. And, you know, the Warriors don't play that great on the road. And if, if Steph just hasn't been able to get his groove on. So game seven, this make a break. Somebody's going to get accused of choking. It's either going to be LeBron or Steph. <laughs> Somebody's going to get called a choker and just slandered to, to no end. Well, they kind of give Steph the pass on that. You know, for some reason, Steph flies on the radar. And, you know, he's not yet expected to win a championship every single year. We're still in the midst of, like, his great run. If he ends up with three and four years, no one's really going to care. And if he goes to four straight, you know, championships in the Western Conference, it's still going to look like one of the best runs ever for a point guard. And, you know, we, we haven't seen point guards do what he do- does. So he kind of gets the pass there. LeBron's different. He's a forward. He's more in the... You know, Michael Jordan conversation, whether he likes it or not. I, I don't necessarily like comparing him. To me, his game was never like Jordan, but that's the class he's in. Steph only is compared to other point guards. He was never expected to be a Jordan or no one in the point guard range is. You're compared to Steve Nash and and Isaiah Thomas, who's probably the best, the winningest point guard in history, if you don't count Magic Johnson, who also is not in the discussion for point guards. Like They're like, oh, Magic had different standards. So but, you, you have to have two like Isaiah Thomas, and you're probably the best point guard in history. But see, I think I, I would agree with you in most cases, but I have to disagree with you when a team goes 73-9 and nine and is up 3-1 to one in the NBA Finals. If, this is a career-defining moment for, for Steph Curry. This could ruin him. He was if, just down 3-1, though, and it brought different. him back. It's different in the NBA Finals. It's, it's I mean... I always got to bring up Nick Anderson when we talk about the NBA Finals. Nick Anderson blew the free throws with the Orlando Magic against the Houston Rockets and was never the same player again. I'm not saying that Steph will fall off like Nick Anderson, but that takes a huge blow on your psyche. When you have the NBA's best record in history, get to the NBA Finals, have a 3-1 lead against a, a, a Cleveland Cavs team where Kevin Love has been on the back of a milk carton because he has not done shit, and then you cough it up? Yo, that this is career defining stuff right here. Like I, I, I understand the whole point guard conversation, but you can't squander a three one lead and have a pretty average series at that. You know, his, he hasn't had that big game, and he has to show up. You can't, and then you get you can't lose it at home. You can't lose it in the Oracle. No, I mean they're one of the best teams. You know, as far as home teams are concerned in NBA history. You know, entering these playoffs, they had lost. I think two games in the past two years at home, something insane. They obviously didn't lose a home game this year. Um, it's just so weird to see them now have eight losses in the playoffs and nine all regular season. That's what I'm saying. It's it's you can't. There's no way to get away from this. They're going to call him a choke artist, and they're going to say LeBron just has proved he's the best player in the league. Because like Steph Curry ran away with the MVP this year. 
for good reason. He was a beast. He was a monster. But then when you, if you disappear in the NBA Finals, that follows you forever. He hasn't Especially, disappeared. He was the best player last night in Game well, yeah. 6. But he also made some stupid fouls. And he got himself he got himself ejected. I mean, a couple of those calls were bullshit, but a couple of the early calls were his fault. You know, yeah, there's a couple a lot of reach that he fouls for no reason. He's going he's going to carry the the brunt of this team on his shoulders, whether they win or lose is on Steph Curry. Even though Klay Thompson has been a savage and saved them in multiple games in the playoffs this year, it's really up to Steph Curry. Yeah. Like if he doesn't have a big game in Game Seven and LeBron comes out here and goes for off for another forty, I mean. The, the people are going to be like, like, who's the real MVP now? It's, this is tough stuff, man. And I love Steph. I think he's a great player. I've never seen a player that's, that came in looking just slightly above average as a player and then turned into a megastar. We've never seen some, somebody transition like this, especially I mean, the, a little the kid, guy. The kid was a star in college. Yeah, I mean, he was a star at Davidson, not even highly recruited. We've he just, just bought never... Davidson to the NCAA tournament and for damn sure almost won it. That was but, the year like Butler went. To the final yeah. four. Like, he could have won the championship. He carried his team, Davidson, that no one had really even heard of before, to the to the Elite Eight, I think, and, and just wore down. He did the same exact thing that Kevin Durant did at Texas, but well, not, never got the really. same, you know, that, the same pub for it. Not really. I mean, Davidson, he was great, and people thought he was going to be a very good player, but he got, there was a lot of things that he wasn't that good at. You know, he, he wasn't as great as the ball. Handle, yeah, he couldn't handle the ball. But he was you never know? asked to. They had a dope white point guard. Yeah, but just the truth, sick. the fact of the matter is nobody expected Steph Curry to ever be the best player in the league. Nobody expected this. No. You know, I mean, when you looked at Steph Curry, people thought of guys that could shoot, like Trajan Langdon or Adam Morrison, like people that could shoot and then would never transition into the NBA. And he's done that and then some, which ranged out of this world. I mean, he's become just a magnificent player. And when you're that, when you're that great, and you get to the NBA Finals, and you carry the team to the best record in NBA history, you can't squander a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals. You just can't do it. And thanks a lot, because now i got to sit here at Money in the Bank and be looking at my phone while I'm sitting watching these matches in Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. I have to sit here and stream this game because I can't miss it. Listen, I'm, I'm going to be doing the same thing. I'm going to buy my ticket as soon as I land tomorrow, You know, trying to get these late, last-minute prices. And trying to trying to catch someone off guard, have them drop these tickets, and then uh, I'll be in the building too. And if I'm, I'll probably check the scoring updates every now and then. I don't care to watch the whole game. I want to see the end, and that's all. I that's at this point, game seven. I've seen everything I need to see in the first six games. I just want to see who wins it now. Is it going to be LeBron bringing Cleveland their first championship? This will be beyond storybook. Being down three one, Cleveland hasn't won a championship in so long. People saying LeBron, you know, two and five in the final. It, you know what? His finals record doesn't matter if he brings his team back and wins this one. No, it doesn't, man. I mean, look, look, I think he gets way too much criticism. You can't compare this man to Michael Jordan because, like you said, they're just not the same player. They just. I had, I've had a problem with LeBron when he left to go to Miami. I had an issue with that. Um, I felt like that if he stayed in Cleveland, maybe he could have, you know, carried his team to a championship. It just you get overshadowed when Dwayne Wade has more rings than you. So. Doing this in Cleveland and coming back home is just big, and he's matured, and, he, and he's not, he hasn't done it while watching other people take over for him. You know, he's, he's been a part of this team every step of the way, and this isn't even a big three. This is almost the identical team to last year, except thank God that Kyrie Irving's able to play. Kevin Love didn't play last year. He's not playing this year. The yeah. guy's just not, he's not even involved. This shows you last year, LeBron just needed one more guy. Yep. 
Literally. That one more it. guy. One more guy, and J.R. Smith disappeared last year, and which he did again this year, for all purposes, in the finals. And, you know, they had that hot streak going through the playoffs, and then LeBron was just one guy, one score short of actually, you know, at least taking last year's series to Game 7 because they were up 2-1 before they collapsed. And Kyrie's that one guy. Yeah, and Kyrie, I'm, I'm tired of people saying that he's overrated too because when no, Kyrie comes just, to play, he just – and he's young. He just can't play defense, how young he is? though. He just can't play defense. No, nah, I mean, he's like, I mean, he's, he's not James Harden, but, you know, I mean, I think it'll he'll mature. And everybody can't play both sides of the ball like Jordan could. You know, they can't play defense like Gary Payton. It takes That's a lot of fine. effort, yeah. Yeah, you just got to let Kyrie be Kyrie. He doesn't need to get you nine assists a game. Let this man handle the ball because he's been scorching whenever whoever's on him. It doesn't even really matter. When Steph was on him, when Clay was on him, Iggy's on him, it doesn't matter. You know, Kyrie just, he's been incredible. So I'm looking forward to game seven. You know, I'll probably record it just so I can catch up on it in, in hopes that it's actually a close game. We've had so many games that had double digits leads early. Um, and we're watching to see if a team could come back. Hopefully, we just get a really tight game for game seven. Yeah, I mean, if Cleveland's up, like they were double digits, I still consider that a close game because Golden yeah. State can always shoot the lights out and come right back. Uh, if Golden State's ahead by double digits, it's turn out the lights and it's a boring Oh, yeah. At, at the Oracle, there's just no way you're coming back when you're down double digits. So, you know, I just, just screw you guys for doing this on Sunday when Money in the Bank is happening. You guys, I, I needed them to close this, this series out last night. Yeah, now they made our weekend even busier than it is. Um, a lot of stuff coming up this weekend that we can talk about, you know, MMA, a lot of stuff happened last weekend as well, especially in the boxing world. Uh, but let's start with wrestling. This is the first time in a long time we've, you know, had wrestling lead one of our segments and it's, it's well-deserved, but we have to talk about first and foremost, Jerry Lawler and him, uh, his future questionable and definitely suspended after domestic violence charge between him and his 27 year old girlfriend. Hey, that's old for Jerry, too. Jerry like him young. What? <laughs> <laughs> Jerry like him young. Yo, man. he's about to cut her off anyway? Like, as soon as she hits 30, she's ruined? Yeah, no, she's out of here. Like, she's too old right now. She passed 25, and Jerry was like, oh, boy, <laughs> we got to get rid of you and upgrade. But, man, this is, this is a truly unfortunate. Um, you know, an indefinite suspension probably means they're going to see the details of what happened and then make a decision on the future of Jerry Lawler. WWE just has a really low tolerance for these kind of things. Um, and I don't know when we're going to see him back. So the question is, especially with the brand split, you know, does this mean Corey Graves gets that move? Does he get the bump? Because I, I think he's well-deserved. I think Corey Graves and Morrow are going to get the, the two-man show on SmackDown, which would be incredible because Corey's great. And we, we know what Morrow brings to the table. And if rumors of, you know, two pay-per-views a month during the brand split are true, it'd be great to see those guys call their own pay-per-view. I hope they don't do two pay-per-views a month. I've had a, that's This is enough wrestling. I love it, but God damn. But Can I mean, just it, one? I guess the, the major four, quote-unquote, would still be, you know, just one that month. And then the other months would be two. So that's not horrible. So in like that's, June, that's too much. Because then you got takeover too every once in a while. Man, I yeah. need a break. At least takeovers on Wednesdays. But I'm just saying, like, look, here's here's my argument with this, right? You got to build storylines and angles. Mm-hmm. And if you do two pay per views a month, that means you got to service two big events a month, which means you have to have stories culminate once a month for both brands. That's a lot going on. So you go one brand one month, the uh, next brand the other. 
Yes, you, you like take your time and build these angles. Or you just keep it, you just do the pay-per-views and just stick both brands in there. Like I don't I don't need two pay-per-views. I don't need it. It's too much. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind the every two month model for, you know, the the pay-per-views as far as you know, Raw gets June, uh July is SmackDown and then SummerSlam is both. And then you go SmackDown, September, you know, October is Raw, Raw, you do Survivor Series. Survivor Series, both. And then you, that's not bad because it gives a two-month build e- either direction for both. And then you combine for one. That's I'd be okay with that. That'd be yeah. a great model to follow. But it, it's money. So two pay-per-views, they're doing two separate tours by all accounts. So SmackDown will have their own tour as far as uh, you know house shows and Raw will have their own. Similar to kind of how it is now but even more of a split on the road. So it wouldn't surprise me if they did two pay-per-views a month. Man, that's just, yeah, it's just too much. It's like, I mean, it's not even money. I mean, I'm still watching on the network, but man, let up. <laughs> I need a break. Like, I have a hard enough time considering the fact that now I have to watch Raw for three hours on Monday night, SmackDown, Smackdown for two hours on Tuesday night, NXT for one hour on Wednesday night, and then you're going to stick a pay-per-view in there twice, two pay-per-views a month? Come on, man, I got a life. <laughs> just crowding us with wrestling um before we get into you know nxt takeover which just happened this past week let's talk about the cruiserweight challenge because a couple of those competitors were announced yes yeah, it's, it's it's a lot different than a lot of people expected um i mean what do we have 32 and there's yeah. about 10 names that i haven't heard of um but you know i'm it leads me to believe, just looking at it off the bat, that we're going to get a Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. final. That's it. That's just the first thing I saw. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to get these two in the final. What? Nah. That's, that's how I felt. That's how I felt. Maybe, maybe we see, uh, you know, Johnny Gargano get a, get a push through this tournament. But who, who do you see? Who do you see that's going to uh, win this tournament? I mean, I, okay, I think Ibushi is going to win the tournament. Um. Just because they had him at NXT, you, they was, it was a major tease. So it'd be surprising if he didn't um, win the tournament. But Zack Sabre Jr., I don't see him in the final by any means. Um, I'm trying to look through the list now. There's, there's some good names here. I, I don't know how Gargano doesn't get the push. He can't be in this tag team forever. No, he can't, but he might because depending on how this brand split works out, you're going to need somebody to feud with the Revival. And Ciampa and Gargano got a victory over the Revival before the end, the pay-per-view. So, you know, there, there's that. But, dude, I don't know how you can't say you don't see how Zach Sabre Jr. can get into the, the finals of this. I mean, we, we, he's recognized as probably the best technical wrestler on the planet Definitely. at this particular time. So why wouldn't he get that push? Do I have to give my whole Zack Sabre Jr. doesn't do it for me speech? Nope, don't do it. Just, just go ahead and hold up. I don't know, I don't know how Zack Sabre Jr. doesn't do it for you. I guess how Frankie Edgar didn't do it for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw him at both Evolve cards. I, I've seen him in numerous matches online. So, you know, I, I held out my opinion on him for a second. And, yeah, it doesn't do it for me. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I can't see how you... Uh, okay. <laughs> I, we don't even have that much time in the show. You're in New York right now. I'm back home in Vegas. I don't have that much time in the show to go back and forth with you about how Zack Sabre Jr. is ama- an amazing talent and completely unique to 
the cruiserweight division. And, and we have never seen a, well, we've really never seen a wrestler like him. Which you know, is in terms super grappling? Yeah, like who, how, who have we seen with so many unique holes? And he can go. It's not like he's, he's just a match specialist. The guy can go. Maybe you need to watch more Zack Sabre Jr. Maybe I've watched a good amount. He's always on the mat, just consistently on the mat. Like, he, he'll go a little bit, a couple arm drags, whatever, new hold on the mat. And he does some shit like I've never seen before, but it's kind of like, uh, all right, you know, I kind of need more. At, you at like, some point. You like spot monkeys. You got guys who fly around the room. What? Oh, like, okay. You're over there. Just, you, you're Vader now? You don't like hey, the flippy shit? I, I love the Ricochet Osprey match. I, so I did love, I. But I love those guys. But I also appreciate good technical wrestling. You're not big on strong style. You're not big on mat wrestling. But when it comes to Ricochet and Will Osprey, you like the flippy dippy guys a yeah, lot. Okay. And I don't mind strong style in moderation. Like, I don't want to see headbutting, like Tanahashi headbutt someone for 10 minutes. I, I like it. I, it's more <laughs> like an MMA match to me. I just like good ring psychology. And I think Zack Sabre Jr., there's a few things he's got to work on. I mean, same with Will Ospreay with ring psychology. But Zack Sabre Jr. is just, he brings something to this tournament that, like, the Zack Sabre Jr.-Johnny Gargano match, what I figure will happen in this tournament, will be phenomenal. Because Gargano is severely underrated, and these two can have a hell of a match. But looking at this, I mean, let's, let's just look at the lineup. I can't talk to you about Sabre Jr. all day. Um, but we got Ciampa. We got the return of Tajiri, which I'm very interested in. Um, TJ Perkins is in there. Rich Swan uh, is in there. Akira Tozawa is in there. Who Swan, I love. Swan might get a nice little run in it. I don't see him winning it, but... Uh, I mean, he'll win a couple matches. Um, you know, Cedric Alexander, who I'm surprised to see in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Kendrick, Drew Gulak, uh, the Sierra Brothers, the, the Bollywood Boys from... Uh, Global Force Wrestling, the, the guys out in Canada, they're in there, of course, Abushi. Then there's a few guys I've just never heard of in my life. Um, Tyson Ducks is in there, which I'm kind of uh, excited to see. You know, the guy was in TNA for a while, never really got a big push. He was super talented. Um, but this, this tournament looks fun. My only problem with the tournament is it's being pre-recorded, so I'm going to have to avoid spoilers at all costs. Yeah, but I mean, that's how you have to do these tournaments, because everyone has such a busy schedule. So you Not- have to t- take out like a couple days and pre-record stuff. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's just hard because, you know, I've got friends who just read dirt sheets all the time and don't care to watch, like, NXT. And they'll watch it and still act like it's the same, but they'll spoil it for everybody else. Like, oh, I, shit. I mean, I do that. So, you know, yeah, you're a shitty you know. person for that. Like, <laughs> I, I like to be surprised when I'm watching wrestling. Like, I, I like to not know the ending because once I do, then I, I'm not as intrigued to watch the card anymore. I understand. I mean, it, it's tough because curiosity gets the best of me so if i feel like everyone else knows i don't you know want to be in the dark on things and plus the twitter timeline fans and listeners of the podcast always like yo did you hear about this and i'm just like oh man here it is so then i gotta go and read the dirt sheet yeah no i don't i don't but other than that like i said this tournament looks like it's gonna be a really good and really fun tournament and especially with the brand split going on it's something that you know, whether NXT is in the midst of retooling, because I don't know how much they're going to get gutted from this. I'm, I'm figuring that there's going to be a significant amount of talent being pushed up. I, we'll talk about Balor in a minute. I'm not really sure where he's, if he's leaving anytime soon again at this point. But um, it, this, this should be fun, and it should be something that everybody sh- should get a chance to watch if you like wrestling. I don't know what this means for a lot of the talent, though, because they're not signed to WWE deals. So I'm curious, you know, if guys like Ibushi end up staying in NXT afterwards. 
which it seems like it makes sense because he left New Japan for a reason and has yeah. to be to come to WWE, I would assume. I wouldn't assume he just does this cruiserweight term and, and jumps back in the indie scene. But who knows? Yeah, no, I, I think they'll keep a couple of guys from the cruiserweight classic. Uh, I think Abushi has to be one of them. I'm not sure, once again, if Zack Sabre Jr. is ready to move up. But if they do gut the roster like many people think for this brand split, I think Zack Sabre Jr. find a nice spot there. And I think he's, you know, a good person that you don't have to necessarily place in development. And he can grow naturally through NXT. Uh, very similar to how we saw in, like, Sami Zayn. Like, it took, like, maybe a two-year build, and he had a nice buzz on the indies, and he built his character. He built his feel for it over two years. He needed those, like, two years. And Zack Sabre Jr. can be the same. No, it's really interesting. So... Let's move on because you know, we we got a whole bunch of stuff. We let's talk about Takeover. Um, yes. What did you think of the end pay per view? Um, I, I thought it was good. You know, I there wasn't a match on there that I really disliked. Uh, I don't I don't like the character of Andrade Cien Almas. Me either. I like the name, but what is he like? Is he just a Mexican Magic Mike stripper? I don't I don't understand the character. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. I mean, I'm not a big fan of his finisher. I feel like they could have just left the mask on him because you need a mask wrestler these days. Like watching him and this character, I was like, eh, you know. And and the perfect tan was just super over, super he's just over. super over, super over. Ty because Dillinger is great. Yeah, you know, because he, he's good. Like he's legitimately really good at making other people look good. Oh yeah, um, he's he's a world class jobber. Like you yeah. want, I want him to win. I want him to one day. And I don't care if it's just for one night. I want him to go against Samoa Joe and roll him up and win the belt. Yeah, I mean, he's like, you know, the Barry Horowitz from back in the day, you know, when you beat the body down and skipping Biff. Um, he's, he's like, he's that guy when you watch him, you're like, well, damn, he's good. Why is he winning matches? So maybe with this brand slip, maybe he'll actually get a push. Maybe he'll get a small push, which I'd like to see. But yeah, Shein, I was just like, eh, I'm, I'm, I'm not impressed. No, he... I think they'll notice they messed up sooner or later and they have to put the mask on him. Because this character, there is no character. And I don't yes. think he's going to get any reaction off of this. Yeah, no, nah, I wasn't big on that. All right, continue. What else we have at uh, uh, The Revival versus American Alpha. Hey, I'm, I'm, all here. I'm here for the, the 2016 version of the Brain Busters of Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. I'm here for it. Oh, yeah. I'll, Great heel I'll, work. Yep. Good, good ring psychology. Great tag team. They're... they're you know, the ground and pound type guys. Um, and I'm glad, I'm kind of glad they beat American Alpha. You know, I, I, American Alpha is great, but they don't necessarily need the belts. Especially if I'm making my prediction that these guys are moving up. These guys so are going too. to the main roster. They are, they are very, very good. Gable and Jordan are very over. Um, Jason Jordan has just looked phenomenal. The only thing I, I, I get a little worried about with them is splitting them up eventually. Now, I, I just think some tag teams, like you go back to the demolition days, should just be tag teams for almost as, as long as their careers go. These two guys kind of need each other. You know, they cover each other's holes in their games. And, you know, what Jordan lacks in personality on the mic or um, Gable makes up for it, and vice versa. Gable's not the biggest guy, but Jordan has the size. Like these two guys could re- help redefine that tag team division. And God knows how they're going to do that with the blast brand split too. Are they just going to split tag teams up, or what the hell are they doing? I think you got to put all the tag teams on one side. So if Raw becomes your your tag team section, I think that's pretty good because Raw gives you the extra hour, like it or not. It, it gives not. you an extra hour, and you can have legit tag team matches. Throughout the entire tag team division. 
So you can have a tag team match almost every hour if you need it. And, and showcase these tag teams and not the Golden Truth. That's not who I'm talking about. But you can have the Usos versus American Alpha one week. And then, you know, American Alpha versus the VOD Villains the next. Like, you can showcase all your tag teams at once, which is great. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, you know, again, Revival winning, great. Um, that mystery tag team, the Authors of Pain, I'm not quite sure what to make of them yet. Watching them in NXT yesterday, I was like, all right, there's some big guys. And I was like, I hope this isn't the Ascension 2.0. No, I, I don't think so. Um, they, they have a good shtick. And they're big. Okay, the Ascension was small. So that, that's why it never really came across to me. It's like, okay, they are tiny. Like, I'm not going to fear these guys. But with the Authors of Pain, it's like, okay, they're big dudes. Now the question is, can they wrestle? Yeah, and and it, you know with Paul Ellering in their corner, it, it makes them just look stronger. Even though the I don't, that whole crowd chanting "Who are you?" I was like, "The fuck is wrong with these people?" Like, how do you not know who Paul Ellering is? But you know, uh, I guess teach his own. Some people just don't know who Paul Ellering is. But um, a lot of people yeah. didn't. That those chants were weird. Yeah, it was it was weird. Kevin Owens got in them on Twitter, but uh, you know they have the right they have the right angle. They have the right person. Let's just see how they put it all together. Um, clearly they belong in NXT. They're a team that's going to, you know, need some work and work things out. Don't know who they feud with right off the bat. If it's not American Alpha, who do they feud with? Uh, or do they just squash a bunch of smaller tag teams until they get, you know, a title shot? That's what they have to do. Um, I mean, no one knows who they are. You just can't throw them into the title picture, and I don't think they need to, but I think they knew, like, okay, if American Alpha's going up, if we're going to lose, like, these tag teams that are, vital to our tag team division we have to create new tag teams now and they used it you know they used american alpha to establish a new tag team and then now you roll from there but them the mighty don't kneel who've looked great and their tag work is amazing yeah um they don't really have a character yet or sticked but they don't need one no and in (laughs) the ring in the ring they're charismatic though oh Um, yeah yeah, yeah, like they're you know they're just weird and they move weird and they're they're just crazy and their tag team moves are great. Every time they tag each other, I'm like, oh, okay, what are we gonna see next? Because it's yeah. always a new move that we haven't seen before. So uh, with those two, the authors of pain, you, you can move up two or three tag teams if needed, and your division will be fine. Yeah, because that's true. There's really good tag teams coming up, and that was a great way to establish them. Uh, you know, Gargano and Ciampa, you have three or four tag teams down there, and that's all you need in NXT. There's only an hour a week to carry right. the division. And it's not going to miss a beat at all, even if the Revival moves up. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Revival should move up. I'd just like them to stay where they're at for the time being. Um, let's move on. So we had Nakamura and Austin Aries. Uh, you know, this was one of those Nakamura matches that I remember from New Japan where it was like, yeah, this is good. But it felt like he was kind of cruising through it because Aries almost looked better than Nakamura in this match. Um, this was far from the Sami Zayn match, but it, it was still a good match. And Nakamura at Nakamura going fifty uh, percent is still better than most people's one hundred percent. But it, it just didn't hit that next level for me, and it's kind of indicative of his entire car, which I like the entire car. But NXT Takeover specials have have had such a high level that it's going to be really hard to achieve that every time out. And like this match, it was a it was a good match, but it wasn't a great match. Uh, not surprising, it's the longest match of the night. It seems like they give Nakamura as much time as he needs to work. And to me, it was perfect in the sense that 
Nakamura is already super over. We've seen what Nakamura does. We know how great he can be. But he didn't need to break break out all his offense. He didn't need to steal the spotlight. He let Austin Aries get a lot of his moves off and moves that he really can't work with other people. Uh, a lot of developmental people now and, you know, the drifter and big guys like Baron Corbin. Aries can't do his offense against those guys yet. Those guys don't know how to work like Aries works. They don't have that indie feel. And Nakamura is just like, show the people what you got. Yeah, he gave him his opportunity. You know, Aries didn't get his chance against Baron Corbin uh, to do anything, really. Um, fighting a big guy who, you know, kind of stiff. But, yeah, like I said, this was a good match. I'm curious where this puts Austin Aries. Um, full heel, and I love it. Well, full heel, yeah. It's just where does he factor into this, into the title picture? Um, you know, he, he's a very good talent, but I still think it's weird. We haven't seen the best of Austin Aries yet. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know if the way the matches are being booked. But this is a guy, like, I was a big fan of in ROH and TNA. Um, and we just haven't seen him hit that gear yet. And I think it's coming. I just think they, they need to give Aries more time. Not seeing on NXT this week was kind of sucked. Like, I want to see more Austin Aries. I want to see him do more shit. Yeah. And, and I think once we get the call-ups with a brand split, these guys will get their time. And they're just now introducing more people to carry the torch when it's over. Uh, at a live show, we just saw the debut of Bobby Roode, right. who's going to be another great heel. Um, top three guys in NXT are going to be heels, which is a stark difference than, you know, maybe a year ago, two years ago, when everyone was faces. No, I mean, Nakamura's not a heel. No, okay. I'll give you Nakamura. <laughs> is over. Nakamura's yeah. not a heel. But, I mean, you're going to have Roode, uh, Samoa Joe, and Austin Aries all heels. So you go whatever direction you want. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, this match, I was just like, oh, this was a good match. It wasn't a great match, but it was, it was a good, it was good. It was like a three and a half star match. Do they need a new belt? Um, no, you still have an hour show. <laughs> like, okay. until you get past the fact that you have an hour show every week, I don't need another belt that you have to chase after. Just chase after one belt. I think they're totally going to do the Cruiserweight Championship. I think they're going to bring it back. Oh, God, like the, they need- the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, I think that's why the CWC is there. I think it's building that audience. Um, and they're just going to keep an NXT belt. But, you know, they're going to give these guys, you know, like uh, Austin Aries and uh, Cien Almas and all this stuff a belt to chase because they can be cruiserweight champions. But you, you know what? Just it, about it's kind of everybody... like the X Division belt, the stupid one. Yeah, but, well, the X Division belt was a great belt, TNA. But this is kind of dumb to have a cruiserweight belt in NXT because, like, everybody's a cruiserweight. <laughs> like yeah i mean it's just an excuse to have way. another belt yeah I mean, outside of like samoa joe yeah i mean like samoa joe could be in the x division like the whole my thing is you have a one hour show and to have something else that somebody has to chase because you have a hard enough time keeping up with with the, like to service the tag team title the singles title and the women's title like to throw another belt in the mix is that's just too much i can't i can't see them properly servicing all these stories and I guess that's my biggest problem with WWE right now. Is I'm really concerned about them having to primarily write for new characters. Like, so if Apollo Crews is going to get a bigger push, now you've got to create storylines that make sense for him. Somebody's still going to lose. Something's still going to fall out. Because at the end of the day, it's th- it, to have this much attention going in this many different directions, it's going to be hard to keep focused. So to add another belt to the division, it's like, well, who chases it? 
You know, if Austin Aries chases, so, so what does that mean exactly? Like, in an hour, how do I tell this many stories? It's up to Keep the guys. Speaking. Well, NXT has a great model because, you know, each character only gets probably three shows between pay-per-views. And that seems perfectly fine for everyone. That's all they get. Even the main title holders, you get three shows in two months and a contract signing. So you're not on every week. No one expects you to be on every week. And they still tell great stories with that. Yeah, I don't need another belt, though. That's just, that's, we're further complicating things with another belt. Don't need it. It's just, it, it, there's no distinctive difference between a cruiserweight and the rest of NXT. So you need, like, a, well, there's no difference between Intercontinental and Heavyweight. Except Intercontinental is for the second, the quote-unquote next guy. Well, they created that belt for a reason, though. Like an Intercontinental belt and the U.S. title, they were created as the step, because it used to be the entryway to the title. That's what it used to be. Correct. Now, it's not really the same thing. But a cruiserweight title for a division that has mostly cruiserweights just doesn't make sense to me. Okay, so just then give them the television title. Want to bring that one back? There's, no, I don't, there's, uh, there's I don't a plethora you can bring titles. back. No more <laughs> titles. Like, this is not boxing. I don't want to see everybody having a title. It's, it's two pointless. people. It's two people. Well, actually, I mean, but, you, but it's two people in an hour show and a tag team and a women's champion. Four champions in an hour show. Which would be problematic if they all were on the same hour every single week like Raw tries to do, like idiots. Instead of, you know, building over two months like NXT does, and they show up once every three weeks. I'm cool. You can have it. I don't want it. I, I don't want another title. I don't, I don't need everybody having a belt. I well, just don't need it. Your roster's not that big to have a quarter of your roster having titles. It's well, not let's talk about the women's title then. And we have Oscar versus Nia Jax in a nine-minute match. Uh, second, pr- probably the shortest match outside of uh, Almas and Dillinger. And uh, I'm fine with that. Nia Jax is limited in the ring, and, and it, she got her offense off, and she didn't look bad in this match. The longer the match goes, the more you can expose Nia Jax. Correct. And She's this not match- like full monster heel status yet. She hasn't mastered the maneuvers of a monster heel yet. No, she has, and she has, and there is my problem with Nia Jax. Like, sometimes I cringe watching her because she kind of goes soft. And I don't know if she's worried about her size squashing some of these girls, but Asuka can take it. And as a, as a monster heel, you just have to go full bore. And you, I mean, you don't have to necessarily worry about hurting somebody. You need to drop a, like, the leg drop's got to go. That's corny. I Power, think they're, yeah, they're, they're working away from that. The powerbomb is sick. Yeah, the power bomb is great, but you gotta look strong. And, and sometimes Nia Jax, when she wrestles, she like kind of wrestles with kid gloves, and it's like I need you to go. And this match was fine again. Yep. We um, saw a suplex, we saw a Samoan drop. The moves she needs to be doing. Yeah, um, the end, it felt like as soon as the match really got started is when it finished. Um, the, the 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 end was kind of quick the way it came. You know, the head kick and the pin one two three. It's like all right, cool. Um, but it, it makes me wonder about the NXT women's division because after Nia, after Asuka and when Bailey comes back, there's really not that much great talent there. There's no. a lot of true developmental talent, which I'm happy with, but it, may, it puts Asuka and Bailey in a, completely in a league of their own. And it makes it really hard to think that anybody can truly beat them. Yeah, you know? no, I mean, if they get the call up, Bailey is going to get the call up sooner than later. Um, when Ashka gets the call up, it's back to a fully developmental system in which kind of like we saw, you know, the beginning when, you know, Charlotte and um, Sasha, they were completely developmental and it, they grew into what they were. 
So it's going to be time for Anaya Jax to finally take that next step and hold the belt. Because when everyone's developmental, it's pretty easy to put the belt on a monster heel and just yeah. say, okay, they're running over people until someone you know, separates themselves and stops being developmental. But we've seen uh, Tessa Blanchard, who can wrestle, you know, girlfriend yeah. of uh, Ricochet. She's been on a lot. That'd be someone who's not necessarily completely developmental that you can bring in for a good storyline. Uh, does Carmella get a push? She just still needs a lot of work. Like her at Alexa Bliss, they need a lot of work. They just they need a lot of work. You watch them, and it's it's just there's a big gap between Oscar and Bailey and Carmella and Alexa Bliss and Tessa Blanchard and Peyton Royce and like they they're all still like you can see them still developing and understanding how to pull moves off. Like they're still a little sloppy at in points, but. It is what it is. I mean, NXT, if it's going to be... I mean, Triple H said it's not developmental anymore, but for these women, it's developmental. Yeah, it's, I mean... It's clearly developmental. They're going to slide back down the card for their matches, which is fine. You know, it, yeah. they, they had their golden run for a second. Let these women develop and, and kind of create their own section. Um, main event, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor. Steel cage uh, match. Yeah. Uh, you know what? <laughs> this was the, my least favorite Joe and Balor match, um, and I think the cage had a lot to do with it. Because you put these two in a cage and you expect, expect all-out brutal violence. Instead of two guys at certain points in this match trying to escape the cage, which I just completely didn't understand for two guys who want to kill each other. Yeah. Um, the, like I said, the match was good. It never hit uh, like a true second gear. Um, and, you know, Joe winning with the muscle bus off the middle rope was great. Uh, him winning was great, which was, was needed. You needed to establish him as your champion. Uh, but it was it was a decent match. It was it was my least favorite out of their matches they had thus far. I, I think a lot of their matches are underrated. Um, there have been some great matches like right before theirs at every pay per view, so it's really kind of like squashed the momentum going into their match. So I I thought they had some pretty good matches before. Um, the last pay per view was a great match, in my opinion. And Joe was bleeding, and if it wasn't for the ref, that'd be their best match so far. Um, but the steel cage one wasn't bad either. They told a good story. Everyone tries to escape the cage. It's just what happens in these matches. So they, they did the normal rhetoric when it came to steel cage matches. So I can't knock them for that. And, and I can. Did, I mean, when you look at Hell in the it Cell. It wasn't Hell look, in the Cell. I was about to but say, I'm it's saying, not Hell in the Cell. It's but when you, fight, when you put a steel cage there with the idea of the steel cage keeping people out, it means that there's two men that are going to battle basically to the death. So when you try to escape, it makes you like a pussy is what it does. But that's and, what people do in steel cage matches. But no, the coward heel does that in a steel cage match, right? Like, like not the, not the bull, like, Samoa Joe's far from a coward heel. And Finn Balor, of all people, should never try to escape the cage if he's trying to prove he could beat Samoa Joe. Essentially, the story that was supposed to be told here is I can beat you, no interference, lock us in the cage, because the cage is really there to create a visual of, you know, war, like, you know, there's nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. Yeah. But when you try to run out of the cage, it kind of defeats the purpose. And it slows things down. And it was just like, as, as this feud has culminated, no, neither of these guys needed an easy way out. This should have been their most brutal of their three matches. And it wasn't. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't a bad match. And I, I just enjoyed the other two matches a lot more. I really enjoyed the first takeover match with all the near falls. And I enjoyed the second match despite, you know, the cut that I had to keep getting tended to. This match should have gone to a next gear, and it just didn't do it. No, definitely. And then uh, it, 
but it's the end. Joe won. He had to win. He has the belt. Not necessarily sure who's next for Joe. Um, and that's up in the air. So that's going to be a good surprise. Is it Bobby Roode? Is it Austin Aries? Who's coming after the title? And we don't know. So that's that's pretty cool. And that's something that will be figured out in the next couple of weeks of NXT, I guess. Yeah. Um, one thing that we did see this past week on NXT is Finn Balor versus uh, Nakamura. It looks like it's setting up for the next pay-per-view. For TakeOver in Brooklyn, which is already sold out, apparently. Which we won't um, be at. No, I'm not going. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> McGregor. Well, no, I mean, he's, he's pretty much locked us in. Yeah, like I'm, yeah, I, but I wouldn't have been going anyway. Uh, after when I'm gonna take a little break. <laughs> two of the, like I need to watch some wrestling at home. For me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, this looks like it's gonna be great. It, maybe it'll be Balor's send off, uh, probably, um, or maybe it's one of those things where Balor gets called up and he still has one more match against Nakamura in NXT. Who knows? I feel like but, that's the way they're going. I, I think he, you know, he gets into the brand split, um, and he gets drafted some way somehow, and. Uh, yeah, I think we see him just go back down to have that final match. A la yeah. Sami Zayn. Yeah, so this this should be fun. Um, the way they built it on NXT was great. Uh, you know, you just got to love Nakamura and the charisma. Uh, so, yeah, I'm ready for it. You know, I'm, I'm ready to see that happen. We got a few months to build it up. So we'll see where it goes. So let's talk about Money in the Bank because we spent a lot of time talking about wrestling. We got a lot of people that are probably going to be like, can you get to the MMA and boxing, please? Um, <laughs> got to so, suffer. So, got to suffer through this. Yeah. So, so let's start with, I mean, first we had a go-home raw, which was decent. Um, I really enjoyed the contract signing between Cena and, and AJ Styles. That was uh, great. For a guy who can't talk in AJ Styles, quote-unquote, it's not his talent, he did really well in that segment. No, he, he did a great job. I kind of wish they would have held back on turning him heel, though. I wish there would have been two faces facing off the money in the bank instead of a heel AJ Styles. Reason being is because we're going to treat him like a face anyway. Like, you know, come Sunday night, I know, like, I'm pretty sure most of the people that I know that are going to this are going to be cheering for AJ Styles. So, it's no, they could have saved this heel turn until after the match. Yeah. You know, but whatever. The, the contract signing was great. The intro segment was interesting because there were some people who just did not know what Kofi Kingston was talking about with the Steph Curry shoes on. I thought the shit was hilarious. Maybe I'm a juvenile mental state because of that. But I, I enjoyed it. Um, I loved it. It was like they bring Twitter to life every week. Yeah. They did a great job with that. Um, what else was there of note? Uh, the, you know, the money in the, it's funny. When you, when you book a Money in the Bank match and really early and you, have, and you know your competitors – it gets exhausting for like the next few weeks where you just kind of put them in different positions and wrestle each other. Yeah, and, it's repetitive. Yeah, and, and, and uh, thank so, God for Kevin Owens though, because no matter what he does, he's just golden in every segment. Oh yeah, and you know Cesaro versus Sami Zayn, I I could watch him wrestle on Raw every week if you need me to. True indeed. So I mean, that's not a horrible matchup to have to suffer through every week on the way to um, Money in the Bank. Something I did find interesting which I don't know if it's like the red herring leading up to Money in the Bank, was the Shield reunion on the Ambrose Asylum. And does it set up Ambrose to win Money in the Bank? Is it a red herring to make us think he's going to win the briefcase and surprise us with something else? Are they teasing the triple threat match between these guys for a SummerSlam? Is this the beginning of that storyline? So that, that was very coded in itself. Yeah, I thought it was a heat check. That's what I thought it was. I thought they, they let's see how, how into this the audience is. And the audience is into it. 
Um, having Ambrose do the dirty deeds on Roman Reigns is a big deal. But I think when you tease it that hard, that means Ambrose is not going to win. And I still think Kevin Owens is the favorite, but you never know. We've seen Sheamus win this damn thing last year. So, um, I mean, the only Sheamus type person in this is Del Rio. Yeah, well, well Jericho. Like oh, nobody wants to see Jericho. Oh man, win. Jericho win it again? Yeah, nobody wants to see Jericho win it. But, Everyone walk out. We walk out in unison. Yeah. So it the tease is there. I think this the the Shield Triple Threat is a match that you just simply cannot pull the trigger on until a big pay per view, whether it be Survivor Series or WrestleMania. Um, I still just have a problem with the handling of Dean Ambrose. You know, one week he's ultra hot, and then the next week he's lukewarm. And the Ambrose Asylum is stupid. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's just a stupid show. But, but uh, this it was a good segment where Rollins showed that he's just easily the best talent that they have on the roster, and he's he's improved in leap, leaps and bounds when it talks to being on the mic. Like he's he's great. Roman Reigns is just going to get booed out of the building. I you know we'll talk we'll make our predictions shortly, but. This this should have been another segment where you realize that Roman Reigns is really not that guy. It's just no <laughs> matter what situ- wheel. Yeah, no matter what situation you put him in, he's never gonna be the guy. No. And it just doesn't work. And don't put him around the shield. Because it just reminds everyone that he is the third wheel. Like right. their natural chemistry takes over. They have so many years of training together that once they get in a group dynamic, Reigns just folds to the background and he comes in at the end. Just like he did before. Believe right. in the shit. Like that, he falls right back into that role. And it's just natural for him. So if you're going to put him in this scenario, you probably don't want him to be like the strong champion in that. Because he's not going to come across as that. Ambrose no. is going to be the funny jokester guy that makes everyone laugh. And then Seth is going to be the strong leader type. And Roman's going to be the follower. The, the yep. afterthought. And that's exactly what we got from this. Exactly. Um, let's give our predictions then. We have Ziggler versus Corbin again. Can I, can I, can, I don't care. I, I don't care. I'm going to be there for this match. Like, I'm getting there early, but I'll probably be going to get some merch. I'm bringing my nephew along with me. Um, so I'm going to probably buy some merch. And this match, like, they didn't, they weren't even, were they even on Raw this week? No, nah, I, I don't remember <laughs> seeing them. I don't know so, when this was booked. I, I didn't watch uh, SmackDown this week, so maybe it was booked on SmackDown. Dude, I, I don't care. Um, Corbin, I guess, could, could use the victory. I don't care. I think he just won. This is like the rubber match. Uh, so win again. I don't know. I mean, the, the, the burial of Ziggler continues. Whatever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I said it. Okay, um, we have Apollo Crews versus Sheamus. Um, Cruz needs this, especially if he's going to be split up on, into one of the rosters and get a prominent role. Sheamus doesn't need to win this match. No. So... Crews on the pre-show. He needs to have a good showing. He needs to show a little bit more with his character. Um, yeah, I'm picking Cruz to win this match. And then we have, I don't know what's next, Charlotte and Dana Brooke versus Natalia and Becky Lynch. Um, okay, so my thinking is that the way they're playing this is that they're going to maybe turn Dana Brooke on Charlotte. And if they do do this, and not necessarily at this particular pay-per-view, if they do go with this route, it's stupid because Dana Brooke has already gone from, like, Emma to Charlotte and then to turn on her. And they already be in her stooge. In, like, four weeks, like the, the things that they put Dana Brooke through in the, with Charlotte in the past four weeks have been ridiculous. But this match is – uh, Charlotte and Dana Brooke should probably lose and because of Dana Brooke. And that's what I just feel like is going to happen. Where's Sasha Banks? Like, um, 
Well, I've been hearing the concussion stuff, but I know she's been working house shows. Uh, I think they're just really waiting for SummerSlam, the, like the real SummerSlam push. Because we got like when the brand split happens, is probably when we're going to see Sasha Banks get back in the picture. All right. Well, yeah, I guess give Natalia and Becky Lynch the win then. Why not? Right. Yeah, until I see Sasha, I, I really don't care about the division. Um, Rusev with Lana versus Titus O'Neil. Oh, this is Rusev all day. Even he's though it's Titus gonna, on, Yeah, he's just going to crush him. Well, I mean, it's, you know, Titus gets this match because it's Father's Day. <laughs> he's like the advocate for all of the good things that happen in pro wrestling. So he gets this match, but there's just no heat between the two. Even that little ramp segment where Rusev, apparently he attacked Titus O'Neil pretty much in the same spot that Titus pushed Vince. But maybe that's super <laughs> better. Um, but, you know, this should be a Rusev crush moment. You know, he should kill Titus O'Neil. Titus will probably get a little bit of offense in but Rusev should win this match. You know, he's the, he's the U.S. champion. It's funny how we just completely forgot about Kalisto. Um, Yo, but, he's back so, in the know, Lucha that, Dragons, I think. Yeah, it's, and who cares? Working but, superstars that yes. quick. So Rusev, Rusev, there's just no way I see Titus only winning this match. I, I agree. Rusev is just going to crush Titus. And Rusev needs a couple of these. It's kind of like going back in time when he was undefeated and just running through people. And they built him up to face a John Cena and gave us a great rivalry. Right. Um, so I think they're building Rusev up, and there's plenty of talent on the roster to just build him up against. So uh, exactly what they tried to do with Ryback and forced it, that no one was having that shit, let's do it with Rusev and give him another great push. He's a great U.S. champion. He's he is. easy to hate. He's um, just a great character. Rusev is yeah. a, he's a, he's a, a underutilized character. One hell of a wrestler. Yep. Um, and then we have the New Day versus uh, Anderson and Gallows versus... Enzo and Kaz versus the VOD villains. Um, I was going to say that this could be Enzo and Kaz or Anderson and Gallows taking the title away. The only thing that made me pause that was when they started recognizing that the New Day have almost held the tag team titles as long as, uh, as uh, Kendrick and London. And as soon as they put that number out there, I was like, yeah, they're probably going to hold on the titles for a little bit longer. So I'm going to go ahead with the New Day in this. It should be a fun match. Um, but I think the right thing to do is put the titles on Anderson and Gallows and have these have Enzo and Cass and the New Day chase them. Um, but I don't think they're going to go that route. I think Anderson and Gallows win the titles. I do. I, I, you, can't, you can't break every record within one year. Charlotte broke the record. Or excuse me, uh, Bella broke the record for the women. And then you have another record. Fall, like, no, the, the heavyweight title record is never going to fall. But, you know, they're just trying to break too many records, do too many things. Like, we don't need a million long title runs. The New Day did what they were supposed to do. They carried the division while you got new talent and new stars. And cool, now let Gallows and Anderson be the monsters they're supposed to be. Let them be the bad guys. Let them, you know, bring credibility to their characters, and now they need the belts to do so. The The New Day don't need the belts. They, they no. could be equally as hot chasing a team as they are as champions. No, and that's, that's all true. And then, I mean, like I said, I think Gallows and Anderson kind of need the belts more because they don't have the personality that Enzo and Cass and the New Day have. And I think Enzo and Cass winning the titles should be reserved for a big moment, like a big pay-per-view. Not to say the Money in the Bank is, in my mind, is the fourth biggest pay-per-view. Um, Correct. You know, it, that's the big four should include that because Survivor Series is no longer that pay-per-view. But... You know, it needs to be reserved for a really big moment. And I don't think this is it just yet. Um, but, yeah, I think Anderson and Gallus should get the titles. I, 
you know, thank God the Usos aren't involved in this. Um, They're not <laughs> involved in anything, which is great. Which is good. But, yeah, I hope you're right. But I, I think they're going to they keep the titles on the new day. But we'll see. And then we have uh, Cena versus AJ Styles. I'm going to go with AJ Styles. And the reason why is that this is a program that needs to be set up for multiple pay-per-views. This is, these are two guys, which, first of all, I don't know where the hell they got this number 15 years in the making. Because it makes no sense. Cena wasn't even wrestling in the WWE 15 years ago. He made his debut in 2002. Um, <laughs> AJ Styles was in the Indies somewhere. And he didn't make his TNA and ROH debuts until 2003. 2002 so 15, ROH, right? Yeah, I think it was 2002 ROH. And then 2003, he was doing back and forth with TNA. Regardless... This is a match that is truly is, is it's never been a match that I sat there and was like, man, I hope to see AJ Styles and John Cena wrestle one day. But now that it's here, I think it needs to extend for multiple pay-per-views. And in order to do that, you can't have Cena beat AJ Styles clean the first time around. You need to have the new era beat the old guard first and then have Cena come back with a vengeance to extend this into SummerSlam for the, the trilogy. Um, with that being said, you know, I don't think there'll be any interference. I think, I think they need to put AJ Styles over clean, especially after losing the reigns in two matches. I think so. I think Styles, I don't think he wins clean, but I think Styles wins. I think uh, Gallows and Anderson find a way to interfere. Um, I'm tired of predicting Finn Balor's you know, main roster debut. Thank this, God. this would be another spot where they could squeeze it in because Gallows and Anderson specifically are uh, banned from ringside. But... You know, Finn isn't. So if AJ Styles needed someone to interfere, you know, Finn Balor interference, Bullet Club, like Dream Stable with, you know, the the two leaders together side by side would be great. And uh, it'd give AJ a way to, you know, beat John Cena. So I, I don't think he wins clean, but I think he wins somehow, some way. And they're establishing that heel character. He has to do some, like, real dastardly shit to win this match. And I think it's going to happen. And... I agree with going into SummerSlam with it, sort of. I mean, Brock Lesnar needs a huge opponent for SummerSlam. I don't know if they're holding out uh, Bray Wyatt's return for Brock Lesnar, which is very possible. Um, that might be the matchup we get. If they go to two titles and bring the heavyweight championship back, um, then this would be the match for it. These two guys would be on SmackDown, and they'd be going for uh, the other belt. So I, I could see this being that program. All right, so we'll, we, then we got the title match. Oh <laughs> uh, well, ladder in the bank. We oh, didn't predict ladder. No, in the bank. no. Let's just say money in well, the bank. Money can, in the bank. Uh, just who do you have? If you had to pick one person out of this group, money in the bank. Kevin Owens. I feel like I feel like Kevin Owens. <laughs> Kevin Owens will bring something to teasing that damn briefcase for however long he's going to do it. More than anybody else winning that match could. Um, you know, Ambrose winning, he could tease it with the shield, right? Like, oh, let's do it. Which doesn't even make sense because it's like he's going to cash in against one person. For him to cash in and make it a triple threat sounds stupid. Like, why would I yeah. lessen my chances of winning and, and give another guy a shot? the cash in? No one predetermines the cash in. Right. Yeah, you don't, you don't really go that route. Kevin Owens winning Money in the Bank would be is a necessary moment for him for all that he's accomplished in just over a year. Think about it. Last year this time, he beats John Cena in his first match. So a year later, he needs to win a Money in the Bank. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Sami Zayn. Okay. Sami Zayn is my pick. <laughs> uh, it sounds weird, right? But it's going to advance to him and Kevin Owens' storyline. I, I think Kevin Owens... He's been playing up that, oh, I'm the true victim. Sammy got here first. 
blah, blah, blah. I'm a prize fighter. And Kevin Owens holding the Money Bank briefcase is great for all reasons you just explained. I would love to see that. But I think they throw the curveball. And I think Sami Zayn gets it. And Kevin Owens is just pissed at Sami Zayn. And he's going to say he stole his shot at a title. And they're going to go into their program off of that. And when Sami cashes in, I don't know. But he's a guy, when he does cash in, he's that Daniel Bryan-esque feel where the underdog cashes in whenever you get a heel champion and he gets the belt for, I don't care if it's three days. When he cashes in and wins that belt, it'll be the biggest pop of the year. I don't think so. But I think here's why. Here's another reason why I think Kevin Owens wins. Kevin Owens wins the briefcase, enters a program with Sami Zayn because of whatever reason they hate each other. And Sami Zayn beats Kevin Owens in the program. And it pushes Sami Zayn to – it pushes him a little bit more – but Kevin Owens still has the briefcase. Yeah. Kevin Owens can lose multiple matches, cash the briefcase, and win, similar to what Rollins did. Yeah, and no one would sense. doubt it. Yeah, yeah, it's... no one would battle last. But if no. Sami Zayn wins, and he can't lose any programs because it makes him look weak trying to chase down a champion. So that's wow. why I think you just kind of you you give Sami Zayn a ton of hope spots in this match where you like, oh shit, he might get the briefcase, but he just doesn't get it. And and he, but either way. Him and Owens into a program right after this. Definitely. I mean, it's Peter Griffin versus the chicken. Like, <laughs> you can bring them and let them fight whenever you want for any reason, and we're just going to be in a tent. True, true. For, for years to come. Uh, title match. Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. God, I think this is going to be a good match, but I just... I think the, the best thing to do is to have Rollins win this match and have him and Reigns like, enter a program for the next couple of pay-per-views, because if Rollins loses to Reigns, it kind of destroys this whole comeback and it makes him look like he's just another guy trying to go after the champion. If you have Rollins beat Reigns, you basically establish that Reigns can't beat Rollins. And that's something to chase and something for people to look forward to. But this is the WWE we're talking about and they haven't taken, they've hitched their wagon to Roman Reigns and I don't think they're taking the title off of him here. Roman Reigns wins again. Um, It's so stupid. I mean, you can't justify this. This is a guy legitimately that's better than him. He's been a better champion. He's a better wrestler. He's better on the mic. And still Roman Reigns is going to win because it's Vince. And, you know, Seth will get another shot and they'll build the program and they'll try to take it into SummerSlam. And Seth won't rest until, you know, he gets his belt back. That'll be his whole stick moving forward. Um, They might even split the guys up during the brand split. And Seth will still chase Roman, you know, across brands for um, a month uh, and challenge him at SummerSlam. But it's, to me, they're, they protected Roman Reigns. And I think he's held the belt too long already. He's had great matches as champion. Don't get me wrong. He's wrestled good enough to be WWE champion. He really has. He just can't do anything else besides that at this point. So he's, yeah. he's become championship level quality in the ring. For a bruiser, we've had worse. He can hold the belt believably in the ring. He can't do anything else. So how many people have gotten year-long title runs? He's not that special. So he has to lose it sooner or later. He should lose it to Rollins, but it's not going to happen. Nope, it won't. So I'm just going to leave the pay-per-view pissed off. (laughs) That's all there is to it. Right at the end. And they're going to make him win clean, and they're going to tell you to clap for him. And all the women and children around you will be clapping for Reigns. It's just what's going to happen. Hopefully. Hopefully they cry. I want everybody to cry when he wins, but whatever. (laughs) All right, well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back. We'll finish it up with some uh, boxing 
and UFC talk because we talked about wrestling for damn near an hour. Yep. All right. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, we are back from that short break, and we didn't start off the segment talking hip-hop. We kind of saved it because there was so much wrestling talk, but before we move on to MMA and the great fights coming up this weekend, we have to talk about YG, and he dropped a dope album this week, the follow-up to last year's. Uh, Andreas obviously sat down with it already. I got a quick couple listens in, and I I like it so far. I, I think I like it as much as I like the first one, which is really saying something. I like it more than I like the first one. And, and here's, here's my thing about it. It's uh, YG Still Brazy is an album that is super, it has a lot of elements of 90s gangster rap. And YG's a very average rapper, right? <laughs> You're being like, generous. He, like He's very average. He's not exceptionally good. But what he does is he does well. And is, he's ultra aggressive. Um, the topics he covered were great. You know, the, brown, the black and brown song is, is dope. Um, it just makes me feel like I'm, you know, I want to, like I said it on Twitter, I want to jack a fool that rolls a green Mustang 5.0 on a triple gold Dayton to get a double burger with cheese. Like, I feel <laughs> like this is straight menace, but then I want to take that wit to a Black Lives Matter rap. Like, I feel like he's like a conscious gangster in a, sort, in a sense. He's like that, that hood dude that tells the kids, don't be like me, go to school and like funds them to play in like basketball leagues and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There's the super OGs on the block. Like, yeah, like he, and so I enjoy it. I enjoy the production. It's interesting. There's like no mustard production on there, but I I enjoy this album. Um, well, it's he was not, going through the beef with mustard at that time, right? Right, but you know, like it's just it was a really a really good West Coast album, and I think when when we're in an era of hip hop where you can't really define coast by music anymore, YG puts out together an album that he's like that shit is Cali, and like there's no doubt about it that that's a California album. No, I definitely agree, and. uh it's refreshing. I like seeing stuff that is still, you know, based on someone's location and, and a reflection of where they grew up and how they grew up and the stuff happening around them. And that's something he still captures in music. And not saying that he's the only one doing it, but it, it's definitely refreshing to see us going back to that kind of style and it being appreciated. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good album, man. It's like, you know, maybe he'll finally get a Grammy nomination. I doubt it because the, the, the field is about to be really crowded this year. And now, they're especially, they're going to allow a chance to have an opportunity at a Grammy. Are they? Um, I, well, I missed yeah. out on that. Grammys uh, released a, a press release the other day saying that uh, streaming albums are now allowed to be considered for Grammys. So, so this year, you're already going to have... Chances winning kind of, everything. Well... We'll see. It's the Grammys. You never know. Because you're going to have Chance, Kanye, and Drake in the same category already, right off the top. And we're not even – October is the cutoff time, but that's, that's, those are the front runners right there. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. I don't know if YG will be able to crack into the field. You know, he's still got Schoolboy Q's album dropping um, in a couple weeks. Um, actually, the week of the, the big UFC fights. Um, so, you know, We'll see, I mean, I don't know if Untitled will, will get a nod, but YG's just, he's just got a really good album, man. And I think if, if you're a fan of West Coast gangster rap, you should buy the shit. If you want a little bit of intelligence in your gangster rap, buy the shit. It's worth it. 
the other thing I want to ask you about is uh, you finally came back on board with Vic Mensa. You dropped um, your beef? I, it, I know you're writing not, something on it. You don't got to give everything away, but uh, well, are you back on board? I mean, I, I, I <laughs> Vic Mensa's album is really frustrating, right? There's a <laughs> lot going on because there is really a lot going on with Vince Mensa. My piece is called The Curious Case of Vic Mensa because I am a big Vic Mensa fan. I think this kid is, and I, he's a kid, he's 23, um, and he just turned 23, is a remarkable talent in terms of emceeing. However, I think he got pulled into Kanye's orbit and being, when he got yanked into Kanye's orbit, it made him do Kanye things. And it made him a semi-average rapper. And he, and he goes into this like real aggro rap style that's like real loud and style over substance. And I don't necessarily like that, that version of Vince, Vic Mensa. So on this, on this, the lot going on EP, songs like New Bay, I don't like. I don't like it all. It reminds me of Father Stretch My Hands Too Much. But the title track, there's a lot going on where he's pretty much bleeding his soul for what's been going on for the past few years is phenomenal. 16 Shots, where he talks about the Lucan McDonald shooting, is amazing. And there's not many rappers who fill that particular lane. There's enough Travis Scotts out there, but there's not enough people like Vic Mensa who can rap their face off and then talk about things that are happening in society. Like Shades of Blue, he's talking about the Flint water crisis. Like, who does this and makes it dope? Vic Mensa does. But... I just need him to stay away from Kanye. Like I just think <laughs> it's far. Like it, 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 it's affecting his style. Like he wears his clothes are all weird now, and he's got like these frosted tips. Like, but then you listen to his freestyle on Drug Dealers Anonymous, and you're like, holy shit! Like this kid is phenomenal. So he's really frustrating in a good way because he's all this potential in the world to be a great MC. I just need him to stay away from those style over substance raps. You know, and then on top of that, the little thing, whatever's going on with Chance, is kind of interesting because people say it's playing it for theater, but I think there's a true healthy competition there. You know, if like which there should be, yeah, like that's hip hop. That's hip hop yeah, right there. If me and you are homies, and you and I and I bring you in, right? Like, because Vic was on b- before Chance was. Like, Kids These Days was around before Chance was, um, in terms of on the map. But if I bring you in and you get ahead of me before I break. And now I'm playing catch up to you. You goddamn right. There's going to be some competition. I don't know how it affects their friendship as a whole, but it has an effect. And whether it's a positive or negative effect, hopefully it's something that both these guys can look past because they make great music together whenever they do collaborate. But for two Chicago artists from the South Side of Chicago with this much talent, there's going to be competition. And it's it's a weird circle of life thing going on because you have Jay Z and Kanye, right? Vic ends up signing with Jay Z although he's influenced heavy by Kanye. And Chance is a big fan of Kanye, but Chance's, rap, uh, Chance's artistry influenced Kanye's album. So it's like this weird circle of life thing going on with these guys. And, you know, I just, I, I'm a fan of Vic Mensa, and I just want to see that kid achieve because I don't see too many cats like him right now. No, I agree. Uh, I Obviously, I have to sit down with the album. I haven't even listened to it yet. Uh, but I, I haven't disliked Kanye-esque Vic Mensa as much as you have, though. You, you really want to see, like, that, the the reason people originally tuned in. Like, the yeah. young kid, like, just youthful exuberance. He speaks his mind about everything. And he doesn't have to do so in the Kanye, I'm ranting, you know, just give me attention, attention, attention way. Like, his talent will get that attention. Yeah, he's, he's just that. I mean, like... The transition that Kanye's gone through in his career took like a decade. 
right? So when whether you like it or not, which I don't care for this version of Kanye, but you understand why I went like he accomplished everything he could possibly accomplish as a, as an MC, and he's experimental now. Vic has accomplished nothing yet in the grand scheme of things. So for him to start transitioning his artistry is unnecessary. Um, you know, people criticized uh, Innotate because they felt like internet tape because they felt like it was like a knockoff of acid rap when i thought it was really dope i loved hollywood los angeles i loved orange soda um i just thought it was really great but i feel like when the pressure gets to you from other people you start eschewing what made you get here in the first place and if kanye says this is dope he's your idol you're gonna listen to him so like songs like you mad i'm like yeah i like when vince brings in stuff like the house music into 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 his artistry and that's that's what i enjoy but you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know what his album's going to turn he's, out. It's, he's only 23. It's plenty of time. He's a, he's a kid, man, but he's, a, he's really dope. He's really, really dope. And I, we need cats like him in the game because there's just too much race remembrance going on right now and, and <laughs> designers and Travis Scott's. Like, you need like cats like Vic Mensa and Chance the Rapper. Got to have balance. Um, let's talk about UFC, though, because there's huge UFC stuff this weekend. And talking about capitalizing on potential, Steven Wonderboy Thompson is probably one fight away from a title shot. So not probably. If he beats Roy McDonald, he's getting that title shot. And Roy, same thing. If he beats Steven Thompson, it's like, oh, Roy's back. His nose is fixed. Let's go again. Re-up. You know, trilogy yeah. fight. Um, I guess we'll give our official predictions on that fight. That's going to be a war. It's, we don't have to preview it. We, we know what we're going to get there. Um, let's take a look at some of the, you know, better fights on the card though. Uh, fight pass preliminary card is headlined by Elias, uh, Theodoro sound. He should win this fight. Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey. Uh, that's, that's a good one. Elias is a great follow on Twitter. If people don't follow him, he's hilarious. Uh, so he has a ton of personality. He has some upside, uh, in the Fox, uh, FS2 prelim card uh not too much there that i really care to see joe soto's on it versus chris beal which is an interesting fight for me um anything in their interest to you per se nothing sticks out to me besides that joe soto fight um christoph jacko and tamden mccrory uh jacko could break into the uh the middleweight rankings with a victory here other than that no nothing that just jumps out at me you know like i'm I'm just looking for the main event, <laughs> to be honest. The main and the co-main is what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, the main card, I mean, Valerie Letourneau, Joanne Calderwood. Calderwood needs this fight. Um, yeah. To, to me, this is like, okay, she really has to prove that she belongs here. And then, yep, don't care necessarily. I mean, everything else. It, it's a card that will probably surprise and have its moments because all UFC cards do. Yeah. And they'll be entertaining, but... On paper, when you look through it, it's like, okay, let's get to the co-main, Donald Cerrone versus Patrick uh, Cote. And, you know, that that's going to be a, a great fight. It's Cowboy at welterweight, well, which, uh, is he permanently a welterweight? Yeah, he, he goes where the fights are. So, you know, he's going to fight wherever they tell him to fight. If they tell him to go back down to lightweight, he's going to be back down there. Because I'm sure he would love to get a crack at uh, um, anybody in the, in the top five. You know, another fighter against Nate Diaz, possibly, whoever. But... Him against Cote in the, the co-main event, I mean, this is, a, this is a Canadian car, which is the reason why you're looking at it the way it is. Tons of Canadians on there. Cote is a Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but this should be a stand and bang fight because Cote is going to stand and bang and Cerrone is going to stand and bang. And I'm obviously picking Donald Cerrone because that work rate is ridiculous. And he's not, he doesn't have off nights against guys who he should be. You know, he beats who he should be. And somebody like Cote is just somebody who should get Cerrone into the rankings as a welterweight. Um, but it should be fun while it lasts. I mean, maybe you won't stop him, but I, I think it'll be competitive. But I think this is a Donald Cerrone fight. I think Cowboy stops some uh, submission, actually, because, you know, it's hard to just one-punch knockout or knee these heavier guys, but you get them down to the ground, and if you drop them, you can finish them off, and Cerrone's one of those guys that can really finish people off when he has opportunity, so I, I think Cerrone wins by submission. It could happen. I'm not saying it can't. You know, Coach has been on a nice little streak. Uh, won his last three fights, beat Ben Saunders, Josh Berkman, and Joe Riggs before losing to Stephen Thompson, but... uh. You know, if it's a kickboxer fight, which is the thing that, you know, I, like I, it really depends on how Cerrone wants to fight this fight. If he wants to fight a Muay Thai-style kickboxing match, he'll win that. But if he wants to take it to the ground, he can win that too. Um, he has the advantages everywhere. Obviously, standing up, he has more of a chance to lose because Cote is a great striker. But, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm sticking with Cerrone. Either uh, stoppage or a decision. All right, main event, Rory McDonald versus Steven Thompson. Uh it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a war. This isn't going to the ground. If it's not going to the ground, there is no way in hell Rory McDonald's winning this match. There's no way in hell. No this way fight in has hell. no way. There's no way Rory McDonald can beat Stephen Thompson standing up. Nobody can. And I will stand by that from now until forever. You do Nobody. understand the champion never takes people to the ground, right? Yeah. Okay. Nobody you stand beats, by that statement. Yes. Nobody beats Stephen Thompson standing up nobody you have to take the fight to the mat there's no other way to beat this man and Roy McDonald if he wants to stand there and trade with him he's going night night and Roy or, can I mean Roy showed that he has good you know takedowns um, yeah, he has to wrestle him he has to has to has to there's no way you're beating a guy with a kickboxing record that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson maintained and has understood how to create distance dude he knocked out Johnny Hendricks you're, if you're Roy McDonald, you, you do not stand anywhere within striking distance with Steven Wonderboy Thompson. You can't beat him. Wow. I mean, Matt Brown gave a pretty good outline. Like, he survived, and he took enough rounds to win. He had to take him down. There was no other way you could win that fight. You can't, win the, you can't beat this man standing up. And when, when Steven Thompson lost, that was very early. And there's a distinct difference between the Stephen Thompson that lost to Matt Brown and the Stephen Thompson that fights today. His takedown defense is 10 times better. He, his range is better. He's more of an MMA fighter now than just a kickboxer when he first came in. You, you're just not beating this man if you don't close the distance to take him down. You just can't do it. What's You'll it? see. You'll kick, see. There's just no way. kickboxing record is something stupid, right? Yeah, dude, I think he lost either one fight or no fight. I'm trying to remember because I talked to him. I feel like he might be undefeated in kickboxing. I'm trying to fight it. I can't even find it. Well, because it was an amateur kickboxer up until that point. He never got stopped. But the dude is just, when they call him Wonderboy and the the shit that he can do, because he hasn't even emptied out the toolbox. Like Like me and his manager at the time, Lex McMahon, have been really close. And Lex had sent me videos way back before Steven made his official UFC debut. And the shit that I watched, I was like, oh, ain't nobody beating this guy if it's a stand-up. Now I'm worried if people can take him down. And then that happened and he lost. Since then, he's been a revelation in terms of striking. Like, he is, to me, he is the best striker in MMA. 
Period. She was 57 and 0 in kickboxing. That's what. Okay, so it was 57. I couldn't remember if it was 57 or 57 and 1. 57 and 0. I, I, I mixed them up with Vasil Lomachenko's amateur record because that was ridiculous, which we'll talk about in a minute. But Wonder Boy is just one of those guys who's, I mean, I don't know how you can beat And Roy McDonald is more of a defensive counter striker than anything else. Definitely. And, and Wonder Boy is a counter striker, but he's also ultra aggressive when he needs to be. So if Roy, if Roy could take this fight to the mat, it'll get really interesting for five rounds. But if he, if he chooses to stand there or if he's unable to get the takedown, He's going to get his nose destroyed again. It's going to be a rough night for Rory McDonald. Sad for Rory. Uh, I'm going to pick... It's tough because I, I like picking Rory. I think, you know, the guy is championship caliber material. But I'm not going to pick against Stephen Thompson. It, I just can't. Like To me, it's going to be a stand-up fight. I, I think Wonder Boy wins it. And when this fight was booked, I was like, shit, bad luck for, for Rory. It's not the guy you want to fight. No, right? not not on the return. Like you just got rocked. You sat out for so long, and they give you this kid. Like this, this is not the guy. It's not the guy for you. So uh, I, I pick Rory to lose in this one, and it's gonna be one hell of a fight, though. I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna miss it, but I'll watch it when I get home. I'm gonna be on the flight. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm gonna be watching that tomorrow night. Um, I'm really excited. Like like I said before, you, when you pick Jake Ellenberger or. <laughs> the guys you beat to beat Wonder Boy. Damn, Tell I thought Ellenberger could take him down in a three round fight, man. Just, he didn't even no. make it. Didn't even make it. That kick was incredible. You can't with if you got alligator arms, you're not beating Wonder Boy. Like, and you got them little ass arms, you, you got to have some reach. Ellenberger had a chance because once again it was three rounds, right? So I was like, he can get him down enough to win a three round fight. Now five rounds, he has to stand up at least five times. Yeah, I mean you're not you're, making it. You're like it's, it's you're just not making it. And that's the difference, my thing against Rory. It's like okay, you can take him down in the first and second. What if you can't get him down in the third? You got to stand up. You yeah, kick your face off. It's trying like t- trying to take down a wood chipper. You know, before it was like you know Wonder Boy would stop long enough for you to take him down. But his lateral movement, his takedown defense, would become so good that you know if you fail at a takedown, he's he's coming right at you with a strike. Saw that against it, Hendricks. Yeah, you know, it's like if you fail, if you fail at what you're trying to accomplish, he's going to capitalize. And every fight starts standing up. And this is a guy who I believe can beat Robbie Lawler in, in, in the stand-up because Robbie Lawler doesn't takes nobody down. Got a heart of gold, but, you know. No takedowns, and he takes a lot of punches. This is, this is technique. And, and Wonder Boy is all technique, power strike. Like, he's just a complete package standing up, and you're just not going to beat him there. All right, so we have our predictions for that. Before we move on to boxing to close out the show, uh, you missed some stuff while you were on vacation. Yeah, I heard I missed a few things. I Ariel mean, had was, Yeah, Ariel was suspended for a brief period, like maybe 48 hours. And um, yeah. the MMA world was in a tizzy. And it yeah, seems yeah. as though it's been lifted and all is well. Yeah, um, man. So for me... To watch, to to hear about what happened to Ariel, um, and being in Hawaii, you know, I, I ended up writing a bunch of stuff on it for Yahoo and staying on top of it. Um, actually, emailed Ariel as well because the thing that I understand because of what happened to me at BET, I know how hard it is to play the corporate game. And Ariel is a guy who doesn't want to play the corporate game. He wants to do his job, and that's all he cares about is doing his job. And because of that, you know. The UFC has always tried to, I mean, you know, without giving away too much, I've been told the whole stories by the UFC. 
you know, because they don't want things to get out there. But if I get the story away from the UFC, I'm not asking the UFC to, to clear this story for me. I'm not asking for them to cooperate with what I'm saying because you're just going to fucking lie to me. So everything that happened to Ariel, I completely empathize with because I've been there before and I know what it's like to, you know, to really love what you do, but to be criticized for doing, doing your job too well. And what happened to him was really unfortunate, and I'm glad they lifted this suspension and his ban because he does his job really well. Now, with that being said, Ariel isn't the first person to get banned. Um, you know, uh, Snowden. What well, Snowden, Josh Gross. Um, God, I mean, there's, there's, you know, Sherdog as a yeah. There, there, there's a there's a list like Sherdog as a whole. We were banned um, before I got there, of course. Uh, because uh, breaking a news story that the UFC was just kind of careless with. And you can't control the media. That's what the UFC needs to learn. Like, you cannot control the information that's put out there about you. And when it, when it does happen, you can't punish the people that do the news. Because at the end of the day, I don't need you to write my story. Like, Ariel has such a big audience... He doesn't need the UFC. If you want to ban him, it's upsetting. He doesn't get to go to the fights. But do you think fighters are going to stop talking to Ariel Hawani? Do you think that he's not going to get his news without you? He's more of a problem without you than he is with you. So the best thing for you to do is take care of your news a little bit better. And, and I said this on Twitter. When the mafia goes after the snitch, they don't go after the investigator. You go after the guy who leaked the information. Ariel Hawani was the investigator. He was the reporter. He was the cop in this, the detective in this situation. The mafia, which is the UFC, why would you go after the man who's just reporting information? You find out who gave him that information. You get rid of that guy. Yeah. You don't go after the detective. Like, and they did this all wrong, and that's why there was so much sympathy out there for him. And then Ariel just kind of let it all out on the MMA hour. You know, his, his tears were real because that man loves his job. And just like most of us in journalism, we shouldn't be afraid to report what's real and what's true. You know, as long as we're not burning bridges or treating people bad, you know, or writing up fake stories, like, don't let us do our job. This is what we came here to do. We didn't come here to be babysat by you to tell us when to break the Brock Lesnar story. Look, if I found out that information, fuck you guys. I'm putting it out there because I know it's right. He corroborated with multiple sources. Jeremy Botter does the same thing. Yeah. These guys know how to report. So it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, actually, it just really was disheartening and pissed me off. Yeah, no, definitely. I gave my full feelings on it last week on that episode. But, I mean, I agree. Ariel was in a little bit of a, a sticky situation because at, at that point, and he said as much, like, they were cutting him checks at one point. So when the organization directly cuts you checks and then to say they're wrong for having a sense of entitlement as though they own you, is is wrong in my opinion. Like if they cut you checks, then maybe but you no, gave them no, a reason to no, feel like no. they had leeway. No, what? no. But here's here's why. Because the check that they cut was through Fox, and the only thing they wanted to do was put their name on the check. So and it wasn't like it was. Aaron wasn't hired by the UFC. He was not hired by Fox. Yeah, he was hired for Fox, and then. But I I'm I'm not blaming him for that for that reason. But it's just the reason they wanted the checks to go through them maybe is so they felt that sense of entitlement, that sense of control. So the writing was on the wall. Like, they want to control all aspects of things. Then why else, you know, why else would you want the checks to come through you if you didn't want to micromanage all aspects of the UFC? 
You understand? So, like, to me, the, the right, writing was on the wall. So it was kind of like, when they come out and do this, it's, you know, it's not shocking. And they've done it to people before. So I, yeah, I, was, but- I was just like, damn, it's not shocking. Like, it's still shitty and pretty whack. But for him, he's closer than anyone else. And for them, you know, for all reports saying that it was their fault that he lost the job at Fox because he did something else they didn't like. Like, he, he knew better than everyone else the the lines not too cross I guess or how how petty they can get. It's so it's just it, it shocked us. I'm not sure necessarily why it shocked him as much. To be upset well, is one thing, but to be shocked, I'm not sure why he was shocked. I mean, because the thing is, is that so many news stories are being broken in MMA and by other people other than the UFC. And at the time, Ariel was not hired by the UFC. So that, that's that's the shock. It's like I'm not working for you anymore. You guys fired me. So yeah. it's like, so it's like, and and the thing is, is that he had a. And this is why I empathize with him because he had a uniquely structured deal. He wasn't exclusive to the UFC, and without that exclusivity, you cannot really procure what I'm doing on my day to day. You can't stop what I'm doing on the MMA hour because you allowed me to do that. Yeah. You allowed me to have the MMA hour. You allowed me to work for MMA Weekly. You allowed me to do out- things outside of the UFC. You may not like it, but you allowed it. You didn't sign me to an exclusive contract. You signed me for a specific contract. It's like with, if an outlet hires me to do boxing but not MMA, you can't get mad because I'm doing MMA elsewhere. You just can't. You signed me to do, to do this. Like He was hired to do backstage interviews, and he was hired to do UFC Tonight. And I'm sure with that information, when he was on UFC Tonight, he was, he was breaking it on UFC Tonight. But as a reporter, the worst thing you could possibly do as a journalist, and I've known this for the past 10 years, is getting scooped. It's the worst fucking feeling in the world when you have a story and then somebody else gets it right up from under your nose. And because your original source fucking lied to you. That's yeah. the worst feeling in the world. And, you know, so he's doing his job as a reporter. Like, if you want to ban him from all your events, like, what does that really accomplish at the end of the day? What are you banning him from? You're banning him from not showing up. And you just watch it on television. But, but does that mean, like, again, does that mean, like, Michael Bisping doesn't call the MMA hour? And, and do, like, it doesn't mean anything. So it's like, you just can't control it. You can't control the dissemination of information. You can control it to the best of your ability. But when you have so many fighters out there and you have so many sources that are, can corroborate news, you can't get mad at the reporter, and and you know that and only and I, takes two. Only takes two sources. No, I mean it takes two sources. Yeah, you know it just takes two people from both sides of the the, the deal. Right. You know, if I call John Jones and I say you got to fight with Cormier, he says yes, and I call Cormier and his manager says yes, I've got a story. I don't <laughs> need the UFC to I don't need the UFC to clear this shit anymore. So that's all. I mean, it's it was ridiculous. I'm glad it's over. Um, you know, and with the sale of the UFC appearing imminent. You know, I don't know how, if we'll be running into these situations anymore. Yeah, it might it might completely change. We don't know. We don't know if, uh, one, I mean, once again, some pretty strong sources and some really good reporters are, are behind the news of the UFC, you know, the sale going through sooner rather than later. And we don't know the role of Dana White in this. We don't know if he'd stay. Uh, all reports are 100% sale, so we, we don't know how it'd be run necessarily. It, it could mean a complete change for us. We don't know who stays, who goes, PR department, all that stuff. So it's going to be an interesting time. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm just here to see what happens. I mean, people are like, they shouldn't sell the UFC. Yes, they should. You buy businesses to sell them. Correct. You don't buy them to keep them forever. And that's what and hell of a turn of profit. 
Yeah, I mean, dude, I don't like if let's just say we built this. Let's use this podcast for an example. And this podcast went from what it is today, where we ain't making shit, to something that's making a million dollars. Correct. Right now, I work to make money. So if you offer me a million dollars for my podcast, I'm selling my podcast. Yeah, we're gonna have to find something else to do. Yeah, because <laughs> we're gonna because, get a web, a web, you know, some type of YouTube show or something. Like for me, this isn't the bane of my existence, right? Like I'm always gonna. I feel like when I get old and gray and die and close to death, I'm still gonna be writing somewhere because it's just what I like to do. So that's always gonna be a part of me. But for the Fertitas and Dana White, they bought a business that was dying and turned it into a multi-billion-dollar corporation. Why wouldn't I? Why do I want to live the rest of my life babysitting fighters? Why don't I want to drink? Like I was in Hawaii for a week, and that shit felt great. Yeah. How about you just buy a fucking island? And like, <laughs> and like, like that's what you that's what you work for at the end of the day. And if enjoy you are, it. Yeah, if you built an entity that high, sell the shit. It's never going to be more valuable than it is right now. It's just, it's just not. You no, know, Brock and it needs Lesnar, to, CM Punk. I mean, yeah. just cross promotion stuff. Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, they never bought, they never built stars like that before no, in their and history. There, and there's no guarantee that you're going to build mega stars like that again. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah, and, and, and one, the one other thing to it, which isn't a big deal, but it was very indicative of why they need to sell, is this Ariel Hawani situation. You don't want to be bothered with this shit anymore. Just let it go. Yep. Sell it for $4 billion. Don't give yourself your own headache. Because I'm sure Dana, you know, people don't like Dana White, but he's done a great job with this company. You know, and the Fertitas have done a great job. It's it's obvious because they've they've become such a big global phenomenon. But you know, when you see when you deal with menial things like what a reporter says, and you're fighting like why? I'll take my you know my billion dollars and go chill on on some beach and and have sand in my toes. Fuck dealing with reporters. Fuck all this shit. They didn't get in. Like Dana White loves this. The Fertitas love business. You know what I'm saying? Like they love to make money. They enjoy MMA, but this isn't the, this isn't their end all be all. Sell, sell, sell. Get rid of this shit. And you know whoever takes it over, great. You know maybe it'll be a little bit different, but I don't expect it to be that much different. It's a great brand. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, we we gotta wait and see though, right? That's that's the key. That's what's happening now. Uh, let's talk about boxing before we get out of here though. We had some wait, good fights. Can we talk about one more thing? Oh, what am I? <laughs> one missing? more thing because. We haven't talked about Michael Bisping knocking out Luke Rocco, which I didn't. I gave Bisping absolutely no shot in hell to do so, and he did that. <laughs> I um, forgot you said that. Yes. Yeah, I gave him absolutely no shot in hell. And anybody who says that Bisping had a shot, you're a fucking liar. No, but, I, gave, I at least gave him a third round, and I still didn't see that shit happen. I had no, no confidence in the third round. The, just come on. But the question is, who does Bisping fight next? Does he fight 13th ranked Dan Henderson? Does he give Rocco a rematch, or does he fight Chris Ryman or Zachary? Who do you pick him to fight? I think he's going to fight Hendo just because it's theoretically the easier fight. Um, and to have a fight while you are champion in your backyard is pretty appealing. That's his best chance at that. So I, I think his next fight is Hendo. Take the easier fight. And then after that, just pick who you're going to lose to. Because Bisping had one hell of a night. Great night. Uh, but Lightning doesn't strike twice. So I, I think he loses to Weidman if they fight. Um, you definitely don't want to fight Weidman in New York. You just give him a perfect setup. Uh, Rockhold rematch, which I don't think happens right away. I think we see Rockhold Jacare first. 
And if it's GSP, then you take the money grab, just to be honest. So if, you know, you can schedule GSP for UFC 202 in Vegas and stack it with the Conor McGregor card and talk the UFC into giving you some pay-per-view share points, you're coming out with a pretty penny. I don't know how you don't do that. Well, so here's my thing. Dan Henderson infamously knocked out Michael Bisping at UFC 100. Correct. Dan Henderson Stiff. had a fun- yeah. <laughs> Dan Henderson had a phenomenal comeback against Hector Lombard. Dan Henderson is 45 years old, has won every major title in major organizations except for UFC Gold. For no other reason than that should Dan Henderson be allowed the opportunity to fight Michael Bisping one last time because he said win or lose he's going to retire. I have no problem with this whatsoever. Anybody that says, oh, well, it should be Luke Rockhold. Oh, no, let Luke and Chris need to fight again. There's still black blood between those two. Let them fight again. Um, somewhere let Jockery factor into this. But also, if Michael Bisping doesn't get his chance for redemption against Dan Henderson now, he never will. So this is the time where I say fuck the rankings, fuck everything else. Give the, give the fighters what they deserve. Give the fans what they want. Let Bisping and, and Henderson fight for the title. And, I mean, I wish it could be at UFC 200. You know what I'm saying? Because, they, I mean, 100 UFCs later, these two meet again, and nobody thought they would be here. That would be great. But it's just it can't happen like that. Dan Henderson needs this one fight, and Bisping wants to get that monkey off his back. Because that's, regardless of him winning the title, it's the one image that everybody remembers of Michael Bisping. It's him getting knocked out the fuck cold by Dan Henderson. Yeah. I Let mean, these two fight. I, I'm down. Once again, UFC 202 seems like the target. Um, for his next fight, in my opinion, because uh, CM Punk isn't going to co-main UFC 202. Eh, he could. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> come on. Like, he, I mean, he, he could. He, he's a great candidate for the first pay-per-view match. Like, have people buy the pay-per-views right away to see CM Punk. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Bisping, Henderson could work. Once again, if GSP decides he wants the title shot, then you give him the title shot, though. Like That's all pipe dream. I don't think GSP is coming back to fight. No damn Michael Bisping. <laughs> but whatever. I, I don't think he cares about, you know, once again, I, I don't think he cares about belts. But once again, if you're on the Conor McGregor card and you can swing some pay-per-view share points into your contract, you're sitting pretty. No, it's true. It's so true. that's if you've got to pay, piggyback on somebody's pay-per-view, you fight on Conor's. And it's right. like any pay-per-view points you can get. So, uh... It's it's all up in the air, but I, like I said, I think he fights Hendo next. Yep. Um, okay. And now boxing. Let's finally get there and wrap up the show. Uh, we had a good fight. I was there here in New York during my quote-unquote vacation, which really wasn't. I worked every day. But it's <laughs> nice to be around fam and hang out. Um, we had Lomachenko fighting an MSG. Uh, he broke Puerto Ricans' hearts, man. That was expected. Look, I'm going to say this now. There, the, Vasil Lomachenko is the most complete fighter in boxing. Damn. How do you just jump everyone in your rankings? Complete. Not the best. Okay. Well-rounded. He has speed, power, footwork, defense. He is, he is a hybrid between what Roy Jones used to be, but he, he's an amateur legend. The best amateur fighter we've ever, that's ever existed. 300, like 76 and 1, or whatever the fuck his record was. This guy has figured out professional boxing. He had a hard time with Orlando Salido because of the weight, and Salido saying, fuck that, I'm not cutting any weight, just dock me so I can beat this kid. <laughs> and because that's really how that fight went. People that watched that fight, and then people still thought that Lomachenko won that fight. But 
what you saw against Rocky Martinez was the coming out party of Vasil Lomachenko. And at 130 pounds, there's nobody that's going to be able to beat him. He's fun to watch. He's fast. He's powerful. And the way he cuts angles is extraordinarily unique. Um, I don't know who beats this man right now. I, I, don't, I don't see it. If he fights Orlando Salido again, he terrorizes Orlando Salido. He just, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he gets it. Like, he is, like, I always talk about Gennady Golovkin, but Gennady Golovkin, I feel like he's the best pound for pound fighter out there. And him and Sergey Kovalev. But Kovalev is not as fast as Lomachenko. And Gennady, he has a great chin, but he hasn't showed the defense, he hasn't shown the ability to cut angles like Lomachenko, which is why I say Lomachenko is the most complete fighter. Um, you know, but we still, you know, there's st- still some things that we got to see. We need to see him get tested. Uh, you know, people talk about uh, Verdejo, but, you know, Lomachenko beat him in the amateurs. And Verdejo didn't look, he didn't look great in his fight. He looked good. He still has a few years before I, I think he hits his prime to be that next really, really big Puerto Rican star. But Lomachenko is the, the truth. And I, I honestly, you know, he's not in the pound for pound list, but he's, he's the quickest fighter to win titles in two weight classes. And there's more to come. Because he's not finished, not by a long shot. This kid is really fucking good. Oh, yeah. No, there was never a moment in that fight when it was in doubt. And for him, this was a a step up in competition. No one can say that it wasn't. And he made it look easy. Um, He was never in doubt. At one point, he was just laughing as the round came so close. When he, like, wobbled him. Like, Martinez was, like, coming in. I think it was the end of the third round. And he caught him with a left. And you can see Martinez's legs wobble, and then the bell rang, and then Lomachenko just laughed, like, yeah, I got him. Right. And it was it, only a matter of time. I mean, that, that, that finishing combination, the uppercut hook, was fucking beautiful. I oh, mean... Martinez had no clue where he was. No, it, it, I'm just, like, people are going to say, well, he's only five seven. Dude, I don't care. Like, his amateur record proves that he was a great amateur. Like, Guillermo Rigondeaux's a great amateur. And Guillermo Rigondeau has been a great boxer, but he's boring as shit to watch. Lomachenko's exci- like he's exciting. Like what he did against Martinez was uh, uh, remarkable. Yeah, and I he's mean, only going to get better. You know, Martinez has only been stopped by one other guy, and that was Mikey Garcia. So and that's that's great company to be in because God knows when we're going to see Mikey, Mikey back in the ring. I know he's been negotiating probably with Al Heyman, but dude, Lomachenko against you put that man up against anybody right now, and I don't, I don't see anybody being able to beat him going the distance unless you're just a cheater and you're just overweight. And even then, I think that Lomachenko is going to be a better fighter. <laughs> well, I think Salido's the next man up for him. Uh, I don't know. He's After at that, the fight, you know, he, it was weird because Salido being there talked a lot about Martinez. And, you know, he wanted to come back and win his belt and he felt that he had won the last fight and his manager was talking as well. Um, and that was like a lot of the talk. But now that Lomachenko has won, I wonder if he feels the same way. If he's that excited about getting the belt back. No, maybe you fight Mira again. You know, fight of the year candidate the week before. You know, that's why I was, I was more surprised to see Salido in the building after having a hellacious fight. Um, I mean, not Mira, Vargas. Um, so I, maybe you run that one back. I don't, if I'm Orlando Salido, I stay far, far away from Lomachenko now. You like you say this is one of those times like when you're playing a video game when you're playing Madden and you're like your little brother beats you and you can't believe it and then he never plays you again even though you know you could beat that ass he's like <laughs> he, but he never plays you again yeah. he has to hold that victory over you Orlando Salido needs to do that he needs to be the only guy that beats uh, Vasily Lomachenko 
And as Lomachenko, you know, took off that night, Provodnikov laid an egg. Yeah, he's he's been in too many wars, man. He's been in too many wars. And he just never got the ship right against John Molina, who put turned in his best performance probably of his career. Um, yeah, well, you know, there was also the uh, the uh, Matisse fight. But, uh, I mean, he looked good. And Provodnikov looked bad. Neither of these guys are going to make a, a, a huge dent in the division. But... You know, they're, they're both war fighters who come to fight, but it's just kind of indicative of where Provodnikov is at in his career now. He's been in a lot of wars, and he hasn't evolved very much either. No, no, it, that style just isn't meant for the long haul, though. But he still gives us fight usually that we enjoy. This just wasn't the same Provodnikov. No, we thought we were going to fight of the year candidate, and we didn't. We just got a good fight. And it wasn't, it wasn't even a great, it was a really good fight. It, was, it had some action, but it wasn't the balls to the wall drag out somebody's gonna die tonight fight that we expected and you know it is what it is Provodnikov was he, he kind of made his impact quick he, he showed up fast um and then he he faded so you know he lost to guys like Algieri uh you know he beat I mean he had a war with Timothy Bradley that Bradley should never put himself in but at this point in his career you know he's got a few fights left in him but I think that man's been weathered he's been he's been taking a lot of punches to the head no, I definitely agree. So, I mean, that's that pretty much wraps up boxing for the weekend. The good thing we send that save that for the end. Uh, next week we'll have more boxing to talk, especially as we know we approach the Thurman Porter fight. Yep, Thurman Porter fight. We got uh, Wilder and Ariola, which whatever. Um, Joshua and Dominic Brazil. Yes, Dominic Brazil is about to die. Anthony <laughs> Joshua is about to kill that man. We'll oh, talk it's going to be marvelous. Yeah. Uh, and our next show will be in what five days since we're recording this on a Friday. So don't worry. This isn't going to take the place of next week's show. This week was just a little late because I'm still in New York. And we got to get back in the swing of things, back into the working mode. But trust me, it's happening sooner than later. Uh, If you're in Vegas this weekend for Money in the Bank, make sure you reach out to us. Uh, We'll be around Vegas. Make sure you check out the Las Vegas Fight Shop, home of the podcast, which we'll be at again next week back in the building, and all the way through leading up to UFC 200 weekend, and just a ton of content for you. We'll be more than sure to make sure to record a few extra episodes for UFC 200 weekend, like we did last year. Uh, give you guys, you know, the shows you want and deserve. So we'll, we're putting good stuff together. Thank you guys. Make sure you keep on reaching out to us at the Corner LSN on Twitter and all social media platforms. Uh, you can hit us up individually at Kel Dansby for me. Yep, and that Andreas Hill. And uh, we're going to work on that fan appreciation show as well again. Make sure we get you guys in to talk about what you want to talk about and have a show for yourself as well. So until then, though, we're out. Peace. On the